Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. Well, we're talking about missions, and 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 uh, as I said in the earlier service, I don't usually <laughs> talk a lot about missions. Um, I guess from the early years when I was coming in, I traveled a lot, and you know, as a missionary. You have to talk about what you do because you want people to be involved in what you do. You have to communicate vision. But there's a fine line between communicating vision and trying to sell yourself. And you don't want to do that. But you want, you want to share the vision because you want people to know what you're doing, what you're involved in, because they're investing in it. And you want them to invest in the vision. But the dangerous part, and you have to keep a very fine line, is that you're, you don't try to impress people with what you're doing. You have to trust that as you share the vision, as God has spoken it to you, and as you obey God to do what he's told you to do, that they're going to obey God and do what God told them to do. You can't ever ask people to do anything more than obey the Spirit of God. You can't. You can't ask them to do anything more. You know, even Paul writes, let each man give as he purposes in his heart. Uh, you know, that's one of the things I think with Christian television has kind of burned us all out. Everybody's trying to persuade us of how we need to give and where we need to give and give us all these, you know, promises and, and you know, share the vision and, and allow the Holy Ghost to speak to people's heart. And then as we purpose in our hearts, we'll give. Yeah. Amen. You know, I've learned that over the years. You've got to trust God to speak to people's hearts. And, and I believe that as God has spoken to men and women to go to the nations of the world, he will also speak to people to send them. There's goers and there's senders. There's always been that way. And for every generation of goer, there has to be a generation of sender. There has to be, because nobody does what they do on their own. You, you cannot. You, you, you cannot become alone and isolated. And as I shared in the first service, as you look in these uh, different nations and these pictures of these countries, I do want to encourage you, if you have to write it down on a piece of paper or you have uh, something that's printed out, whatever, not only remember the name of the nations, but know the people who were there. Amen? And so it's not just in a prayer meeting once in a while that it comes up and you go, oh yeah, you know, uh, Pastor Paul and Shadi, you know, they're in the Philippines. And, but some people you may not see that much and they not, may not come in that much. But it's, it's not just that you do want to pray for the nation. You want to pray for the leadership of the nation. You want to pray for a move of God in that nation. But the ministry in that nation is sustained and stays strong because of the people in the ministry. You take the people out, there's no ministry. Without Without the man or the woman, there's no ministry. And so we, we need to pray for the people and their homes and their families. Now, Shadi and I have spent 40 years. We're, actually, last year was 40 years. We're now into our 41st year. And, and, and I share these things with you. And I, I'm, like I said, I'm not here to try to impress you or pat myself on the back. Just giving you some statistics. Because, listen, uh, what you guys do in this church is not normal. It's abnormal because you don't have a normal pastor, which is a good thing. I'm not trying to say he's weird, even though he's a little different, but he's, he's not your normal pastor because he has a passion and a commitment beyond his own thing, and he cares about the world. Most churches don't care about the world anymore. They're very focused on their church and their immediate, but to sacrifice or to go through an inconvenience on behalf of people on the other side of the world, that's something that just is not happening that much. 
I've watched in the last 40 years where there used to be missions, conferences, and conventions all over America. They were huge. They just don't have them anymore. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm me and some of these men in these countries, we almost feel like dinosaurs because, you know, dinosaurs are what used to be. And people take trips, and I'm not against taking trips. Thank God for people who take trips into the nations. Thank God for people who go and spend two or three weeks or, or four weeks. But um, it's going to take people that go and give their life. And you have men and women in these nations that are giving their lives. And when a man and a woman make a decision to give their life, they're also making a decision uh, that affects their kids. And so their kids who didn't make the decision are raised in the decision of their parents. And that is another responsibility and weight that comes upon the parents that these kids who made no choices now are being raised up in a nation, in a culture that's not their choosing. And if the man and the woman don't do what's right, then it hinders their family. Like I said, we've been there over 40 years. Let me just give you some statistics. Um, all, this is all across the board. Evangelical, Pentecostal, whatever kind of denomination you want to, to throw in the basket. These are the stats and the, the figures. Out of 100 missionaries that go to the nations of the world, 80% make it five years. So out of 100 missionaries, by five years, 80 of them are home. There's 20 left. 10% make it 10 years. So after 10 years, there's 10 missionaries left in one of these nations. By 20 years, there's one. Now, the reason it's important is it takes time to touch generations. It's not done overnight, and it's not, not, it's not done easy. It takes time. If you stay somewhere long enough, you can have an effect in a nation. So by, by 20 years, there's one left. One. Shadi and I have been there 40 years. I don't know what percentage that is. Less than a half a percent. How has that been possible? Revelation and relationships. What you see to be true concerning God's word that you have learned to stick with, stand in, stand by, not give up, not quit... And number two, the people that you have in your life that continue to speak into your life and that are there for you. In supporting missions, you must support the missionary and care about the person. It's incredibly valuable. One of the reasons that people leave the field, loss of vision, lack of money, family problems, or sickness and disease. The majority of missionaries that I have known over the years that have come into the Philippines and in Asia that I've had a, a chance to, to interact with or have worked with, half of them are divorced. Because what happens is they've come into the nation and they're so busy trying to save the world, they forgot about their family. They gave everything away to everybody else and when they came home to wife and kids, they didn't have anything left. And you have a woman, listen, and women deal with things differently than men. 
And when he's out and preaching and teaching and traveling on over, she's there with, a, with the kids that they keep creating. And she's having to, in some places, homeschool them, teach them, take care of them. And he's out doing, you know, the preaching and the teaching and evangelizing and the miracle. And she's home taking care of the kids. And when he comes home, he's so tired and worn out, he doesn't have anything for her or the kids, but he's winning the world to Jesus. Well, right there, oh, wifey and kids don't really care about the world. They care about themselves. And that's not wrong. And what happens is when they go back on their next furlough, she goes, <laughs> I'm done. You know, you can care about the nations, that's great, but somewhere along the, the way, people that are going to be in your future have to be your priority. You have to be careful you don't give the best that you have to those that you don't see in your future. Because people who don't see you in their future, they will betray you. They'll walk away from you. You have to make sure that your family is your priority. And it's one of the biggest mistakes that has happened with missions is, is some people have not made their family their priority. Or if you're hurting or you're wounded or situations come up and you're having a struggle, you've got to be able to communicate with somebody and say, man, we're, we're, not, we're, ha we're having a hard time here. But your concern, and I'm just being real with you concerning missions, having lived through it for 40 some years. Everybody supports what you're doing, so you want to look good and sound good. You want to be impressive. But if you're hurt, wounded, sad, or your marriage is in trouble, you can't tell anybody because you don't want to look bad. Because if they know that my marriage is in trouble, well, then they're, you know, what am I going to do now? So I have, to, I have to pretend that everything's okay. So you have a private pain. But listen, private pain will turn into a public death, and everybody's going to know. Years ago, years ago, not recently, years ago, Make sure you understand that. Years ago, I called up a, a friend of mine. I said, I really need you to pray for me. Uh, I don't think my wife likes me anymore. He says, well, she's probably got a lot of good reasons. That's not really the answer I was looking for. <laughs> and he, he immediately, you know, agreed with Shadi. Well, I said he was a good friend, so he probably recognized some things. <laughs> he said, well, she's probably got some reasons. You need, to found out, you need to find out why. Where, you know, where did you, what, what did you lose and where did you lose it? There's a story in the Old Testament where the prophet took the, 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 the sons of the prophets in this school to, they were going to build an, a new building. And this is the story of the axe head that fell into the water. And one of the young men had an axe head and the axe head fell off into the water and he, and he went to the prophet and he said, look, look, my, my axe head, it was, it was borrowed. And I've lost my edge. You know, if you lose your edge, there's no more progress. You can swing the handle all you want, but you're not going to accomplish anything. Some people are busy swinging their handle, but there's, there's no progress in life because they've lost their edge. And he said, well, where did you lose it? And he took him back to the place. And, and first he had to identify where he lost it. And then the prophet helped him get it back. You, sometimes you need someone who can step into your life and you can identify what you lost and where you lost it, get it back, secure it so you don't lose it again. Yeah, yeah. That comes through relationships. And if missionaries don't have genuine relationships, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the years is the most important thing that my friends can give as they support Shadi and I and what we're doing is I need something more than their money. And I've tried to teach this to missionaries for years. If all you want is money, 
you are missing on one of the most valuable assets you're going to need to last. You better build some relationships. You better get real. You better get open. You better spend some time and invest some time, not be pretentious, and let people get to know who you really are so they can care about who you really are because one day you're going to need them because nobody makes it alone. You know, a good friend of mine, Bill Wilson, told me this. He said, you know, if you ever see a turtle sitting on top of fence post, you know one thing. He didn't get there by himself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can talk about all the wonderful things that we accomplish, but nobody gets there by themselves. There's always somebody there. There was a generation before you that poured into your life. There's a, a generation around you. you. You must have relationships. And, and so... When I shared with that brother, he said, listen, I want you to go check into a hotel for a couple days. I will pay for it. Go find out where you lost what you did. What are the main issues that, that Shadi's dealing with? Where are you being stupid and stubborn? I said, gosh, you're being kind of harsh. He goes, hey, God made man first. Didn't make us better. He just made us responsible. Come on, ladies. That was a great chance to say amen. Come on now. Quit holding out on me. Amen. He didn't, he didn't make us any better, but he did make us first. Why did he make us first? To make us responsible. And he gave us a job. Ladies, stay away from that lazy guy that doesn't have a job and doesn't want to be responsible. That's not the man for you. God gave Adam a responsibility and gave him a job, and he had to be diligent before he ever gave him Eve. Yeah, amen. If you're the man you're looking at is not like that, just keep walking. And listen to your pastor. He will tell you two things. Was it be observant? No. Pay attention and don't be stupid. Thus saith the Lord and Pastor Rusty. So you think, well, what's this got to do with missions? Everything. Because if, if, I, if I lose my wife, how, how am I going to stay and do what God told me to do? Yeah, now, you know, I don't know everybody that's in here. And, and I know different disasters and everything happened and problems. And, you know, divorce and remarriage is not the end of the world. So I, I'm not trying to go there. But I'm just saying that what happens is when you attack the home, when you attack the family, when you, when you attack uh, that marriage, you're going to hinder what God wants to do in the nations of the world. He'll attack you. He'll attack your wife. When he's done attacking you, if the physical attack against you doesn't work, if the physical attack against her doesn't work, if the financial, emotional, or spiritual attack against you doesn't work, if the betrayals and the slanders uh, don't give you, cause you to give up and quit, next thing he'll target is your kids. And let me tell you, you have authority in your own life, and you and your wife can get together because of the covenant, but and, when, as your kids grow up, you do not have authority over their will. And let me tell you, he will do everything that he can to try to destroy them and get them off, to try to hinder. Uh, and, and, and that's why the families in these nations, thank God for the money that you give. Thank God for the seeds that you sow. Thank God for the work that you're helping to bring to pass. But let me tell you what they need is they need to be covered in prayer so that God will protect their marriages. You know, one of the things that I love about pa uh, uh, Rusty and, and Leah is, is they pray for my kids. 
My daughter's 39, and Rusty prays for her all the time. My, my sons, he, he loves my sons. He cares about my sons. He cares about Shadi and I, and he cares, and he loves the ministry in the Philippines, but the, they care about me and Shadi. Do you know how incredibly valuable that is? Listen, I, I've been doing this for a long time. Most pastors will send you a check and, and, and you know, that's good because you want to get things done. But when you can find people who genuinely actually care about you, you better invest in that relationship yourself. You better slow down and take some time and listen and allow them entrance into your life. So I would encourage you, you may not find the names of all of these but, uh, or, or, or care about the names, but somewhere along the line, now of course, Cy Marvin, you got me, okay? You don't, you don't have to look anywhere else. You got me, so you keep praying for me. But some of you, find one of these nations and make one of these couples real and personal to you. Take them into your heart. See, it's not a matter of what we do from here. It's going to come from here because you could be praying sometime and you have no idea how your prayers at that particular time is touching his heart, her heart, the hearts of their kids or whatever. And it's not just the, and thank God for the sowing of the money. And I know we're receiving an offering after the service. That's all good. But an offering once a month is good. But what's going to sustain those people in those nations is someone genuinely cares, not just about the work that they're doing, but them as people. We love the work. We love the schools. We love the evangelism. We love the miracles and the salvations and the healings and, and, and new leaders being raised up. We love all those things. And it's all wonderful. But somewhere along the line, we have to stop and slow down and, and look back up from the work to see the people that are really giving their lives. And, and the thing is, we want them to stay. We want them to finish the call of God in that nation. We don't want them to leave for whatever reason. You know, I can look back and we were, uh, last night we were with Cy and Marvin. I went to the Philippines before Marvin was born. You know, I was in the Philippines when Cy was yeah, grade, grade one? Yeah, grade one. Gosh, they make me feel older. I, I have pastors uh, of our New Life churches that I first time I met them, they were six years old. They're now married with kids and they're pastoring churches and, and two of them not only pastoring churches, but they birthed churches out of their churches already. So I'm already a grandfather. See, ministry needs to be generational. In the nations of the world, ministry needs to be generational. Well, in every nation of the world, in America. First of all, understand this. Missionaries brought the gospel to America. I mean, if you look at what we have, what we enjoyed this morning, the beautiful worship and everything in here this morning, if you look at what we have, the nations of the world need and deserve the same thing you have here. Why can't they have it? In fact, we have it in the Philippines. Man, we got some great worship there. I would encourage you, go on, if any of you that's on Facebook or online, look up New Life in Kathmandu and on, on a Saturday and watch their worship. Man, let me tell you, Sandesh, the worship leader who came to our Bible school and, and Pastor Raju, these guys are phenomenal. They will preach in Nepali and English at the same time. 
Because their church is, is so reaching out to the community. It's one of the fastest growing church in, Kat, in Kathmandu. So Raju, when he preaches, he'll preach in Nepali and immediately interpret himself and go, Nepali, English, Nepali. It's phenomenal. And then in the worship, when, when Sandesh, Sandesh could come into America and lead worship in any church anywhere in America. The guy is incredibly anointed. And what, what, what missions has done, it's taken the, the strength and the depth and the width of what we have in America, of what we take so for granted. And it's been brought, our greatest export to the nations of the world is not HBO or MTV or, or Coca-Cola. It's the gospel. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel that America has taken to the nations of the world, I believe, is a sustaining factor in this nation. I believe what is sustaining America right now is God is still blessing this nation because of the blood of the men and the women that have given their lives in the nations all over the world because God cares about the world. Not just America. You know, we say God bless America, but God loves the world. For God so loved the world. If you want to know where God's heart is, it's in the world. And God loves churches and his heart is poured into churches who love what he loves. He has a passion for the world. And I believe it grieves the spirit of God where churches today have cut off their heart for the world and become self-focused and self-centered. It's not the will of God. It grieves my heart. I, I have many, many times prayed, and I've been in some places, they say, God, what? these people just don't have a heart for the world. He goes, well, they barely have a heart for me. Because if you've got a heart for God, you're going to get a heart for the world. Why do we, we don't exist for ourselves. We exist to bring change to the world. Jesus wanted to reach the world and the avenue by which we reach the world is the church. And the church is birthing churches in the nations of the world. The ministries in all these different nations, they're birthing churches that are affecting the nations of the world. We are bringing change to the Philippines. Let me tell you, the Philippines that, that I lived in now is different than the Philippines of 1980. Yeah. Largest churches in the nation are full gospel, Holy Ghost churches. Huge churches all over the nation. Those things did not exist. In 1980, when I first went to the Philippines, me and two or three other men had more teaching books than the rest of the nation combined. There was just nothing there. And we have just watched an entire nation change. The gospel, the word of God has brought change to the nation. And over the period of time, we have, I've gotten so bold, and I said this, I don't know how many years ago, and, and somebody took it and put it on a coffee cup. Usually you get a saying, you either put it on a coffee cup or a t-shirt. I said, I want to help write the Christian history of this nation in this generation. See, you, you need to pray crazy prayers. You, you need to have something that makes you want to give your life for a purpose that's greater than yourself and beyond yourself. See, because whatever I am giving myself to in these men and women in these nations, and I'm speaking for all of us, not just me, but for all of us, whatever we give ourselves to is bigger than we are. And it won't be finished unless Jesus returns in our lifetimes. So that means we need to give the best that we have to launch this next generation that our ceiling becomes their floor. It's like a, a, a relay runner. You know, when you run a relay, and I ran track in school, of course, I weighed about 60 pounds less than I do now. But when I, I ran in, in high school, 
Once you pass the baton, you've run your race. You know, when, you've got, when you're running with the baton, everybody's cheering you. But when you give it to the next guy, the focus switches. They're not cheering you. You have finished your course and you have positioned the next one. And hopefully you gave him a good lead. And so the momentum can be carried. So now everybody's cheering him. And you're cheering him. You aren't cheering yourself. You are too busy running. When you're done running, you cheer the one you... Listen, you know where the focus goes? It always goes with the baton, not the person. Because when the baton switches, so does the focus. That's why ministry must be generational. And that's why we, Paul said, we, you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. Why do we need fathers? Because fathers create generational ministry. Teachers will pass on a message. Fathers give their life. It costs more to give your life than it does to preach a message. And that's what you see in these nations here. You have men and women that aren't just preaching messages. And they're not just giving out lessons. They're giving of themselves. And let me tell you, they are worth any investment the Spirit of God puts on your heart to sow into their lives. They're actually changing the history of every single nation they're in. They are turning the history of that nation. Years ago, we were in Myanmar. If you've been watching the news concerning Myanmar, it's very, very bad what's going on there right now. Uh, the military is taking the country back over, and they've been shooting people in the streets indiscriminately. Uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have died. Uh, the news is not getting out. It's blanketed down. And... Uh, if they, if they think that there's a prayer meeting or something going on or a gathering going on, they don't, won't even bother busting into the house. They'll just get close to the house, the building, and just start shooting inside there. Whoever's in there, they just get shot. Women shoot, doesn't matter. They don't even look, they just shoot. It's not good. Six years ago, we were in Myanmar. We met a pastor. I mean, this is lie. I'm not going to be saying names, but we met a pastor, evangelical, very, very well-respected man in Yangon and in Myanmar, wonderful reputation, uh, evangelical, Baptist to the bone, very, very kind of stiff, and, but, uh, but a good man, an honest man, a man of great character, and everybody knew him, everybody loved him. And anybody that would come into Myanmar to do large meetings, they would still use him even as an interpreter. I mean, Holy Ghost people coming in to try to do evangelistic meetings, they would still use him because he's a wonderful interpreter. Even though he wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost, didn't speak in tongues, he could still interpret. We met him in a hotel and he invited us to come do a meeting at his compound. And he had some of his pastors in from around the country. And we told him, we said, look, we're... We explained who we were, and he goes, yes, I know. He goes, but something's wrong. Something's missing in our churches. We need something more. So we went and did a meeting. Pastor Edwin was there, and he was one of our pastors. He's the head of our uh, network churches. He was preaching. The Spirit of God fell. They have an orphanage on the compound. The Spirit of God fell and, and hit the kids. They all got filled with the Holy Ghost, came running into the church speaking in tongues. And Pastor Edwin and Pastor Edwin was preaching on the Holy Ghost. And he goes, this is what I was talking about. As the kids came in, the Spirit of God fell in the church. Everybody in the church got filled with the Holy Ghost. The pastor fell on the ground. His wife fell on the ground, speaking in tongues. And, and after the meeting, he looked at Edwin. He goes, what do we do now? Where do we go from here? He goes, you just can't leave us like this. What, what are we going to do? This is what we've needed. 
So we came back in and we did a school for eight weeks. We brought the pastors in from all over the nation, 65 pastors. For eight weeks, every single day, hours and hours and hours, every single day. The next year we came in for six weeks. Next year we came in for four weeks. We paid for it, bringing them in. I mean, some of these guys, it would take them five days to get there. Two days on a bus, one day on a boat, and a day or two walking. These guys are in towns, cities, and in, in some of the places where you just, just, just out there. And uh, so they came in. After five years of doing this, and these men are getting filled with the word, filled with the Holy Ghost, and uh, they came to us one day and they said, look, we, uh, we have been approached by groups and uh, organizations from all over the world offering us, say, listen, why don't you connect with us and we'll build you a building, we'll give you this, we'll do this, we'll send you support monthly. And, and he said, you never offered us anything, you never asked anything from us, all you did was pour the word and the spirit on the inside of us. He said, but now we want to ask you for something. He said, all of us, all of our pastors from all over the nation are talking and we know what we need to do. We know what our future is. We must be new life in Myanmar. So they came to us and they said, please, will you accept us? We, we, we want to be part of your family. One of the things that just kind of freaked them out, because the men were kind of domineering and they didn't give place to women. And man, they had some Holy Ghost. And, and, and the thing is, when we came in to teach, our church is full of Holy Ghost fired up women. And so when they came in, we just kind of woke, woke them up and sh shook them up. But the funny, th funny thing is, one day when I was going to the conference, uh, Spirit of God said, uh, look at the newspaper. Look at the newspaper. And uh, I looked at the newspaper, and it was a picture of Aung San Suu which is this leader, this woman, that is preeminent in the nation. And she is the one that actually switched the whole... Uh, uh, elections before this military took back over because the military had been in control for years and years and years and years and years. And so the whole heart of the nation was behind this woman. So she became the forefront. And actually when the elections turned, she was the most powerful woman in the nation. And the Lord told me, he said, tell them not to be hypocrites. He said, you can trust this woman with your nation. You believe in her, you trust in her, she has integrity, and you see the gift on her. If you can do that for the nation, what about women in your church? Man, the Spirit of God came in and broke something right then. And those women have been loosed, have become powerful. They, instead of sitting on separate sides of when they come in, and the men come over here and the women come over here, and the women start are sitting with their husbands, are worshiping with their husbands, are crying with their husbands, their husbands are honoring the gift in their wives. I mean, we began to just shake something up. And so now we have, and then plus we started another church in the capital. We have 66 churches now in Mayan. More. Now, if you see what's going on with, with, with the military as they've come back in because they're losing control, underneath and be, behind everything that's going on, there are churches where there are miracles happening now. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. Devils are being... This is, this is a Buddhist nation. Listen, the churches that we have are in religious nations, past religious nations like the Philippines have, has a religious spirit, which is one of the most ornery spirits you have to deal with. But then we have churches in Hindu, uh, Muslim, and Buddhist, and communist countries. Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, communist. 
and the churches are growing and thriving. We have a church in Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City. Andrew, the first time he was able, first country he was able, able to visit to get out of Vietnam was to come to the Philippines. And he came to the Philippines. He was in one of our conferences. And when he heard open worship, He'd never heard open worship people singing openly before because if you get caught in a church service in Vietnam, if you're the pastor, you get taken to jail, get beaten half to death in two to three years of hard labor in prison. If I get caught there, I get arrested, I get deported, I get blacklisted, can't go in anymore. We had some pastors that went in, and Pastor Andrew was doing underground uh, classes. I would, do, I would go in, teach an underground class. I would teach three days, teach nine hours a day. Nine hours a day. The, like your prayer room you have here, that would fill up with people and you would sit there and just preach nine hours, nine hours, three days in a row. And then these guys would sneak back out and go back to the towns and cities and different, and, and then would come back in the next month. And we did that. I've been working with Andrew for 25 years. After 25 years and over a thousand graduates from his school, he goes, no more schools. Spirit of God told me to start churches now. We need local churches. We need strong churches. He goes, and Pastor Paul, we need new life. We need new life in, in Vietnam. So we started new life in Vietnam. Last year I went there and, and, and it's opened up now. And so I was in, in the service, in, in, our, in our opening service where we're dedicating this brand new new life church in Vietnam, in Ho Chi Minh City. And now they're singing openly. Now I'm on his floor weeping and crying because I'm watching Vietnamese openly worship God in their own nation. See, the Spirit of God is changing nations. I was supposed to go there in July or June, but I couldn't go because I was dealing with prostate cancer and also the beginning of the COVID, they shut everything down. Andrew was setting up a meeting for me to meet with about 900 pastors from Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. All of graduates of his schools, that because once he became a New Life Church, are saying, listen, we've been watching you. We want what you have. We want relationship. We don't want to be isolated. We don't want to be alone. We want to be a part of the family. We're watching what God is doing in, in New Life there. How do we become a part of that? He says, you wait for dad to come in. That's me. Wait for dad. I couldn't go because of the virus, but I am going back. Now, if we could if watch what God did within five years in Myanmar, now we have 66, what do you think is going to happen in Vietnam and Cambodia and Laos? You know why? Because if you, if you stay somewhere long enough, if you just live long enough, if you last, God can do something incredible. And it's not just because we're so wonderful. It's because of the people. It's because of the, the people that have come into our lives that prayed for us and believed in us and gave to us and supported us and, and prayed for me when, you know, when I was, wasn't as smart as I needed to be and that I would be the kind of husband that I needed to be, the kind of dad that I needed to be, not just the kind of minister that I needed to be, but I had other priorities I had to make sure I kept in order. Now, Shadi and I have been married 42 years. So far, so good. She still wants to be with me. You know, of all the things that she will give away, I'm not one of them yet, so that's, that's pretty good. What, what is the, the potential of what can happen in Vietnam? In Vietnam and Cambodia and Laos? 
it's it's unbelievable. We we had pastors go in before that they were doing meetings out just on the the outskirts of the city. When the police came in, they had to run. They didn't want to get busted. They didn't want to get blacklisted. And the and the Vietnamese pastors didn't want to get caught. As they were running, the cops just started shooting at them. I mean, they ran out of the house. Didn't even stop to get their shoes. Now we can go in. What has happened? What has changed? God is moving in the nations of the world. Uh, what's happening in, in Nepal? Nepal is a Hindu nation. Myanmar is a Buddhist nation. Uh, Malaysia is, is, is a uh, Muslim nation. We, we got a church in India that continues to grow and thrive and thrive. And that's another Hindu nation. What's happening in the nations of the world? It's the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. In the days in which we live, these, listen, these are wild and crazy times. And for those of you, where's the camera? Back there. For those of you that are watching, in the days in which we live, the most important place for you to be, the safest place for you to be, is in the church with God's people. We cannot allow the days or the dangers or the challenges of the times in which we live to separate us and isolate us and bring fear into our lives because we must do life together. There's something about a corporate prayer time. There's something about corporate anointing. There's something about building relationships because you need people and people need you. And it is a strategy of the enemy to minimize who we are when we come together. The gathering together of the body is powerful. When, when Peter and John were arrested and then let go in Acts chapter 4, it says, and they went to their own companions, they went to their own company, and they began to pray. We, we have a company, and when we come together, we pray, and the will of God gets done, not just in our church, but it gets done in Galveston. Listen, you are an answer to Galveston. I believe God planted you here because he wants you to help bring change to Galveston. Uh, and I believe that what you carry out of here affects Texas. You see, churches in these nations believe we're here to help save our nation. That's the thinking of churches and ministries. They're actually there to influence a nation. Not just build a church, but to influence a nation. And what the Spirit of God is wanting to bring back into America that we lost to bring back into America is we are here to save our nation. And we don't think that because, well, we've got the Constitution. Look at all the words on there. Look at our money and God we trust. Please, really? Before the pandemic, church attendance was at, at its lowest in 45 or 50 years. It wasn't the pandemic. It was something that came in and just accelerated a complacency and an ease that had crept into the church. But this is the time where believers who want to live and serve God and love God and make their life count. It's not a place of convenience or casualness. These are the days for conviction and courage and commitment needed for our cities, our states, and the nations of the world. And that's why when we pray, when we give, when we sing together, it matters. It counts. The singing and the worship that comes corporately out of this house affects Galveston Island. It does. It affects that. It affects you and your relationship together. It strengthens the testimony of this house and your testimony. Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto death. What is the word of your testimony? It's the story that you have of where God proved himself real in your life. You must have your stories. You must have your testimonies. Because God wants you to bring change to this city. 
but he wants to use you to bring change to these nations of the world. Never minimize what you're accomplishing and who you really are because of what you presently see around you. The size of your church does not determine your spiritual influence in the nations of the world. Oh, let me tell you, God brought Rusty and Leah into my life and Shadi's life, but I would say me first of all. I shared this in the first service. About eight years ago, uh, something happened with me. I had some dear, some, some people close to me, and I, I, got, I got wounded really, really bad. Really, really bad. And listen, it, strangers can't hurt you like friends can. You need to learn that. And, and first of all, if you do get wounded by someone close to you, don't judge Jesus or the church by what another believer did. You need to see people through God's eyes, not see God through people's eyes. Because sometimes they're just people in church. There are other believers, and sometimes they don't act like a believer. Sometimes they act more like a donkey. And there, there's some donkeys out there. This is not the time to look around right now. Just, you know. <laughs> we get hurt, you know. Jesus said these, let me read this verse, John 16, I love this verse in the Amplified Classic. I told you these things that in me you have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you will have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration. Jesus said, look, you're going to have it. It's going to come. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. For I've overcome the world. I've deprived it of power to harm you, and I've conquered it for you. You're going to have to keep your eyes on Jesus. I want to encourage you, those of you that are watching. Thank God you're watching. But I do want to encourage you. It's time to come back. It's time to get in here and continue to develop the relationships. Because you need people that are here. And people that are here need you. They, they need your testimony. They need the story that God's writing in your life. Uh, you need the comfort. You need to, when, you know, when you get in trouble, who are you going to call? You know, not Ghostbusters. You need to call a friend. And not, not somebody on Facebook. Most people on Facebook never show up. They're just a, an audience that's watching you. But when you're hurt, when you're wounded, they don't have time. No, you need genuine relationships, people in your life that are there for you, and there's no better place in the church. Your voice counts. Your prayer counts. Your worship counts. Your giving is making a difference in this church, and your giving is making a difference in the world. I've watched, uh, we have churches during this pandemic, we've birthed four churches. Our, my, some of our churches, so I'm actually developing grandchildren. I have three beautiful grandchildren. I, I should show you the pictures of these beautiful kids I have. Beautiful. Gosh, I love these kids. So I have natural grandchildren. But see, what's wonderful is I have spiritual grandchildren also. See, my sons, my spiritual sons are birthing churches. What is that? That's generational ministry. That means it's bigger than I am, and it will last beyond my life. Listen, if everything that we're going to accomplish, if you think it's going to happen in our lifetime, how small do you think what God is wanting to do? Now, if Jesus returns, that would be great. Come soon, Lord Jesus. But if he doesn't come, that means it's something bigger and greater. Because let me tell you, we're not going out of here weak, weak wounded, and beat up and destroyed. He's coming for it. Pastor Rusty and I were talking about this before the service. You go to any wedding, you know, the groom doesn't get a song. Nobody's going, here comes the groom. It's like, okay, there he is. You know, where's the bride? I mean, how much did he spend on his suit versus how much did she spend on that dress? She probably spent as much on her shoes uh, sometimes and her makeup and her hair as the brother did his suit. 
because nobody's really checking him out. Everybody's checking out the bride. She gets a song, she gets an entrance, she gets a bouquet, and everybody's checking. And nobody stands when he comes in, but when she comes in, everybody rise for the bride. Right? Everything Jesus did was for you and I. And he has a he's coming back for a glorious church, not weak, not wounded, not afraid. Let me tell you, the devil will rejoice when we are taken out of here because until we leave, the Antichrist cannot come. That, that which is here restrains him because the church of Christ is greater than the Antichrist. God is never outdone by the devil. So these are the days where things look crazy and wild and limited and uncertain. This is a time to shine. This is a time for courageous men and women of faith and commitment and compassion, knowing that we have a church that is to influence our city, but we have a world to touch. A city to touch, a nation to change, and a world, a world to change. Amen. And that's why we give. That's why we pray. That's why we come together as a church. You are God's answer to Galveston. And what God does out of here is so much bigger than you. And, and, and I'll close with this, or at least I'll try to. In Malachi chapter 3 where it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now in this if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing you cannot contain. Well, does that mean well, you just need to get more bank accounts? Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. Even after his divorce, he's still the richest man in the world. He's building a, a yacht that cost half a billion dollars. And he's building another yacht to service that yacht. His yacht is going to be longer than a football field. And because it doesn't have a helipad on it to accommodate his helicopter, he needs another yacht to follow this yacht. He's worth almost $200 billion, And he still has room in the bank for more. And thanks to this pandemic, Amazon is making money off most everybody. And he gets richer. I forget how many millions he makes every single day. So when you read Malachi and God says, I'll pour out such a blessing on you, you can't contain. If you don't think space, think time. In other words, I'm going to bring such a blessing into your life that my blessing will be longer than the days that you have. See, that's why the Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. See, the blessings of God that come in are so big that they will, live, they will last longer than the days that you have and can spill into the lives of your children and into your children's children. Now, that's the blessing of God. Not that you try to suck it up and contain it all up now. No, God says, my blessing is bigger than your years. So it will spill over and it will last. Well, if his blessing is that way, then the purpose that we're committed to may very well be the same thing. So what I'm committed to, I'm just going to do my part. This is what Pastor Rusty and Lee are doing. They're doing their part in the nations of the world because what we're involved in is so much bigger than who we are. And that's why when Paul is writing to the Philippians, he goes, look, I'm not saying this because of what I want to get from you. Man, I, I look for the fruit that abounds to your account. That's when he said, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He was talking to the Filipinos, I mean the Philippians. And he said, you know, in the beginning of the gospel, nobody, nobody communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, you only. He says, you know, when I started this, the only, the only people there for me and with me were you. 
He says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The nations of the world, they need what you have. They need your love, your time, your prayers, and your giving. And whatever you sow, let me tell you, God is not mocked. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. And I believe it's coming back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I believe what secures this house and the blessings on this house. And let me tell you, churches all over the nation right now are struggling and they're having a hard time. But when you put your heart where God's heart is and you make God's priority your priority, you will not lack. This church will not lack. And those of you that are involved in the heart and the passion that God has, not only for this house, but for the nations of the world, you will be sustained, not only sustained, but you will be blessed in some of the darkest times. And people say, how did you do it? Well, I honored God. I honored God with my first fruits. I honored God with my substance. And he says, and I will fill your barns, plural, not barn, barns, what is that? It's a storehouse. It's where you put in the abundance that God brings because we honored him. Not just for what just immediately affects us, but we care about the nations of the world. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.